Thank you so very much, Dorothy and Ruth. Thank you. Thank you for leading us in our worship time tonight. Amen. Thank you indeed, Sister Ruth, Sister Dorothy, Pastor Nick. Well, two ladies were on a train, and they were both fighting over who would get the last seat on the train. While they were fighting and fighting, and finally the conductor of the train had enough, and he yelled to the back, he said, give the seat to the ugly one. So both ladies decided to stand for the entire trip. <laughs> I tested that one on our Tuesday morning ladies, and <laughs> they thought it was funny, so I decided to share it with you. Well, once again, good evening to you, and as Sister Dorothy said, tonight is the, the last message in the series of Now is the Time, and it's already been seven weeks Time has gone by. It has gone quickly. And so I hope those of you who have come have heard and learned something and have heard from the Lord. And so we're trusting that you will do the same tonight. And so if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Genesis chapter 37? The first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 37. And you may be familiar with Joseph and his brothers. And this is the story of Joseph being sold by his brothers. Genesis chapter 37, starting from verse 12. And the title of this message is, Now is the time to rise out of the pit. Now is the time to rise out of the pit. And this is what the word of the Lord says. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flock near Seshem, and Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Seshem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off to the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Seshem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here. The man answered, I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. So they saw him in the distance and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes out of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the desert. But don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. 
Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and do not lay our hand on him. After all, he is our brother and our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brother pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the blood, the robe in the blood. They took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it's your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son for many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning I will go down to the grave to my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's, of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray that indeed you would open up our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to us tonight, and that you would help us, O oh God, to be obedient as we are challenged to respond. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. In this story, we see Joseph, we see his brothers, and we see his father Jacob, who is also called Israel. And in this story, there was no doubt that Joseph was his father's favorite, we could see by how he was treated that his father favored Joseph. And it's not just something that we can assume. But in fact, if you look at Genesis chapter 37, verses 3 and 4, it says this. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So we're specifically told that Joseph was Israel or Jacob's favorite son. He favored him. He loved him more than he loved any of the other boys. And obviously he didn't mean to love him more. He loved all his children, but for some reason, Joseph was just the one that caught his eye, was the apple of his eye, was his baby, you could say. Now, as parents, and I'm not a parent, but those of you who are, you have children, or, and you know that there may be one that may stick out more than the others for you, for whatever reason. However, just because that child may stick out does not mean that you should treat them better than the others and that you should make the others feel any less important because it is important not to show favoritism. Showing favoritism among your children can cause unnecessary problems. They can lead to them feeling like they're second-class citizens. They can, it can lead to them feeling like they're not as important. It can lead them to start hating and being 
jealous and envious of their brother or their sister. And this is exactly what happened with Joseph's brothers. His father not only favored him, but showed that favoritism in many different ways. By how he treated him, by giving him this ornate robe, by the way that he would probably talk to him better than he would, or, or giving him certain privileges that the others may not have had. And so it's important not to show favoritism. The Lord does not show favoritism to us. We are all equal to him. And it can lead to unnecessary problems. And we see that with Joseph and his brothers. So not only was he his father's favorite, this was one of the reasons why his brothers would have hated him. But if you read back and and understand that Joseph had dreams, and that's why his brothers would call him the dreamer. And in one of his dreams, he innocently tells tells his father and his brothers what it is that he dreams. And he tells them of how they're going, um, that they bow down to him. And he does it so innocently. And so obviously this made his brothers hate him even more. It was so innocent. He was just telling the truth, but it made his brothers hate him even more. And so he already knew that his brothers weren't as fond of him. So his father sends him out. The other brothers were grazing their flocks and Joseph was at home because he was the baby. He was the favorite. So he says, go out, check on your brothers, make sure the flock is okay, and then come back, bring word back to me. Because they didn't have cell phones in that day and they couldn't just call or send a text message. So bring back word and tell me that everything is okay. So Joseph goes to the destination session, looks around, and nobody's there. A man comes to him. He asks the man, and the man says, you know what? I think they went over there. I think they went in the other direction. So he goes to Dothan, and there he finds them. But while he's coming towards them, in the distance, they see him. And you can already imagine what the conversation's like. Oh, great. The dreamer's coming, right? Father decided to let him out and send him into the wilderness. You know, something along the lines. And it's in those moments when they see him that the envy and the hate start stirring up even more. That the Bible tells us that they plotted to kill him. They didn't plot to hurt him. They didn't plot to do something, you know, to physically do something to him. But they plotted to kill him. Not to break his leg or to throw something or to injure him in some way, but to kill him. You see, they allowed this evil to get a hold of them. They allowed evil thoughts in their mind to start taking control. And there are times where evil may come into our mind, but that is why we need to be careful to guard our hearts and our mind and do not let evil thoughts in. To guard our hearts and our minds against such things. You see, there are many thoughts that go through our mind, good and evil. And it's not a sin to think about those things, but you see, the more that we think about things, the more that we allow them to dwell in our mind, the more likely they are to become action and turn into sin. And so the Bible is very clear and talks about this issue of taking our 
thoughts captive. Our mind is such a powerful thing, and the Bible has much to say about it. It's important for us to take our thoughts captive, to stop evil thoughts in their track, to not allow these things to constantly dwell in our mind, and for us to think about them and allow them to linger, because they eventually will lead to action. But instead of thinking on those things, the Bible tells us, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, this is what you should think about. Think about such things. Why? Because the more you start thinking about something, the more you allow these things in your mind, the more you will start doing the things that you're thinking about. And if you're constantly thinking about good things, then more likely good things will come out of you. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The things that we have stored up within us will eventually come out. What are you storing up in you? What are you allowing your mind to be focused on and allow to linger in your mind? Because the Bible tells us these are the things that we should think about. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, above all else, Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart and your mind, and do not let evil thoughts in. So while the brothers were all plotting to kill Joseph, Reuben was the only one who tried to save him. Did you notice that? Reuben was the only one who said, you know what, let's not kill him. Let's throw him into the cistern and, and just you know, leave him there. What Reuben was trying to do was to protect Joseph. He knew how everyone felt about him. He knew that no one liked him. And so what he was trying to do was to buy time so that they would not kill Joseph. And then he was planning to bring Joseph back to his father. And so he says, just throw him in there. There's no need to shed any blood. Just throw him in there. And so they ended up listening to him and throwing him in there. Reuben was trying to do what was right. He knew that it would be wrong to kill anyone, much less his own brother. He was trying to do what was right, even though all of the other brothers we're wanting to kill him and do what is wrong. You see, there are times where there are people in our lives and there will be people in our lives who try to get us to do things that are wrong. But it's important for us to do what we need to do to make sure we do what is right. It's important that we do our part to ensure as much as possible that what we're doing is the right thing. But the truth is that doing the right thing doesn't always mean doing the easy thing. You know that, right? Doing the right thing can sometimes be and usually is very difficult. But nonetheless, the Lord calls us to the standard that is higher. He calls us to do the right thing. He calls us to be honest. And we can be faced with difficult situations. But the choice that we need to make is the one that is right. The one that at the end of the day, we can have peace with the Lord, knowing that we've done the right thing. James chapter 4 verse 17 tells us, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and 
doesn't do it, it is sin for them. If we know that what we should do, we should do it, but yet we don't, it's sin. Because we're not doing what we know we should be doing. Romans chapter 12 verse 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but instead overcome that evil with good. And we can only overcome that evil with good if we're storing up good things inside of us. If we're thinking about, if we're practicing, if we're constantly feeding ourselves with good things, then we can overcome the evil with good. Doing the right thing may mean doing the hard thing. Doing the right thing may mean having to walk away from a job or a job promotion because what the boss may be asking us to do is wrong and we know it. Doing the right thing may mean failing a test or exam because we know that it's wrong to cheat. Doing the right thing may mean costing us extra money because we were honest about whatever it was in our taxes or in our the whatever situation it may be. Doing the right thing may mean having to lose certain friends because they're doing things we know are not pleasing to lo- the Lord. Doing the right thing may not be easy, but at the end of the day, when we stand before God, we can have peace, knowing that we've done our very best. Do what you need to do in order to do what is right. Even though the other brothers were not, in, were not thinking the way Reuben was, Reuben knew that he needed to stand up, speak up, and save Joseph's life. And in doing so, he did the right thing. Unfortunately, Joseph's brothers hated him, and he was mistreated, not because of anything he necessarily did, but simply because his brothers did not like him. His brothers, for many reasons, did not like him. And so he went from being hated to being thrown into the cistern and then being sold to the Midianites who took him to Egypt. He was on quite a journey there. He was mistreated. And the unfortunate thing is he didn't do anything to deserve it. And the reality is that sometimes we too will experience hurt and trials even if we don't do anything wrong or if we don't do anything to necessarily deserve it. He did not do anything to deserve being treated this way, but yet he was. And there are times in your life that I'm sure if you reflect on, you could say, I was mistreated. I was not treated fairly. I didn't do anything to deserve it, but I was not treated fairly the way that I should be. And the unfortunate thing is, is that there are times where this may happen. There are times where it probably has happened to you. And the sad truth is that in this world, because there is so much evil, 
There are people out there who are just mean and nasty. There are people out there who will make it their mission to try to do things to hurt you. There are people out there who will do these evil things to try to hurt you. But we know that God is on our side. We know that he is with us. And so we need to pray for those people. We need to forgive them. We need to ask the Lord to help change their heart so that they don't do those kind of things any longer. And so even if you have been hurt by someone, even if you have been have experienced pain because of them, do your best to forgive them. Do your best to forgive them. And the beautiful example that we have is Jesus on the cross, that even while on the cross, he was still able to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. May we also be able to say that. When we go through hurts and trials, we have two choices. We can lean on God and ask him to help us, or we can go through it on our own and lean on our own strength. The Bible tells us to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him and he will direct our paths to lean on him, even when it doesn't make sense, even when we don't understand, even when we don't know how we're going to get through it, to trust him, and he will help us. So after selling Joseph to the Midianite merchants, they went back home. And the brothers went back home with a plan. They went back home lying to their father, bringing Joseph's ornate robe that he had given them, showing it to him after they had dipped it in goat's blood, leading the father to believe that Joseph was killed by some ferocious animal, that Joseph was torn to pieces, that he had such a tragic death. Now you think about being in Jacob's situation. Jacob was so hurt. Jacob was so overcome with grief. Not only was his child killed, but his favorite child was now gone. His baby was gone. How devastated he would have been. You see, by these brothers lying, they caused their father unnecessary hurt and pain. They caused him unnecessary grief. It wasn't necessary for him to feel this way. It wasn't necessary for him to mourn the way that he did. It wasn't necessary for him to experience these emotions. But because of their lie, it caused him this pain. And we too must be careful not to cause someone else unnecessary pain and hurt. Be careful not to cause someone else unnecessary pain and hurt because we lie or because of some misleading information that we are to give someone. Because the truth is that by us saying something to mislead someone or lying can cause a big problem. It can cause a big problem whether we realize it or not. Even a small lie can cause unnecessary pain and hurt. It can lead someone to lose their job. A small lie can lead someone to not get a certain job. It can lead to ending a marriage or a friendship. 
It can lead to hundreds of dollars because of legal charges and legal bills. By telling a lie or giving misleading information, it can cause someone to have their child or children taken away from them. It can ruin reputations. It can get someone kicked out of school. It can end a family or destroy them or end a marriage. You see, we need to be careful not to give misleading information or lies, because it can cause someone or people unnecessary pain and hurt. May we be careful with the words that we speak, with the information that we give. So we look at this situation, and we see that Jacob was grieving, that Jacob was so hurt, that Jacob was experiencing all these emotions. But yet, we can look at the situation, and although to us it may seem terrible, it may seem sad, it may seem hopeless, God was at work behind the scenes. God was at work behind the scenes. And we can know even in our own lives, even when we go through difficult situations, even when we may say our situation is sad, it's terrible, it's hopeless, God is still at work behind the scenes. Because even in the midst of our situation, God is working out everything for us. Even in the midst of our situation, God is working it out for us. God is able to work it out for us. In verse 36, it says, Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So Joseph went to being hated by his brothers, to being thrown into the cistern, to being sold to the Midianites, to go to Egypt, and now in Egypt, he was sold to Potiphar. He had quite a journey, but God's hand was upon him. And you may say, well, how is that possible? Where do you see that? Well, if you look at Genesis chapter 41, verses 41 to 44, it says this. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, this is now later on, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all of Egypt. You see, Joseph went on such a journey that seemed to go from bad to worse to hopeless. But yet God was working all the details out that even when he was sold in Egypt in another land, even when he was without his family, God was working it out. So he came to the point and brought him to the point of now being second in command, being right under Pharaoh, being right there in charge of the land. You see, God is able to turn around situations. He's able to take what someone intended for evil and turn it into good. God is able to change our circumstances and change our situations, and he is at work 
behind the scenes. He's working all things out. And I'm sure that if you take a moment to look at your own life, you may think about a situation that you have been in. And in retrospect, looking back upon it, you can say, God, I see how you were working that out for me. God, thank you for leading me in a different direction. Thank you for not answering that prayer. Thank you for not allowing me to go down that road. Thank you for not allowing me to be involved with that person. Thank you for not doing that or me taking this job or moving here or doing that. God, I now see how you were working out my situation. You see what someone may intend for evil, God is able to turn it into good. God is able to change our situation. We can only see what's in front of us, but God sees the bigger picture, and he tells us, trust me. It may not look good. It may not look great. It may look hopeless, but trust me on that one. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 reminds us, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God is working things out for us. He's working out our situation. Are we able to trust him in the midst of it all? Because now is the time to rise out of the pit. Let us pray. Father, indeed, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the fact that we see how from the beginning of Joseph's journey, you have had your hand upon him through all that he went through. And we pray, Father, that you would remind us, oh God, that no matter what we go through, that you are there with us in the midst of it all. We thank you, Lord, for the many lessons that we learn from Joseph and his life. We thank you, oh God, for the way that you teach us and you lead us and you guide us and you direct us. And we pray that you would continue to help us to trust you, to look to you, to use wisdom, to, to do certain things that we know are right, to do things so that not to cause anyone a necessary pain or heartache. And so God, we pray that in all things we would look to you, we would put you first, we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And Lord, may you give us the wisdom. And so God, we thank you and we desire to be holy as you are holy. We desire to live lives that are pleasing to you. And so God, we dedicate ourselves anew and afresh and we say, take our life, take our life and, and let it be all the things that you desire it to be, oh God. And so we thank you and we pray that you would continue to work out all things in the background behind the scenes for our good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Amen. As we sing, would you stand? And if any of you would like to come and spend some moments in prayer at the altar, then we invite you to come as we sing. <laughs>